Hello, everyone. Uh, today's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. Uh, I'll be reading the ESV version. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said, on, he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go, do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick, sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that cling to our feet will we wipe off against you. Whenever, nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. The reading of his word. difficulties here. I don't like speaking from up here mainly because I'm further away from you and I feel like I have a big wall <laughs> separating us. But as it is. So today we're starting a new series of messages, six in a, uh, a series of six, and that's the title of the, the series, Bless, and uh, delve into this to kind of prepare us. So today is like the introductory message of the series. I want to ask a few questions of you guys, and you don't need to raise your hand or anything, but just answer the questions in your mind. Are you a Christian? Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you a disciple maker of Jesus, the Lord Jesus? Now, I, didn't, I didn't ask you if you are making disciples of Jesus. I asked if you are a disciple maker for the Lord Jesus. This is a question, and all three of these questions are questions of identity. Who we think we are, because... In, by faith in Christ Jesus, the Lord Jesus, we are a child of God. We know this from the scriptures. We are a disciple, a follower of Jesus, and we are disciple makers for the Lord Jesus. This is who we are once we follow the Lord Jesus. This is our new identity in Jesus. We cannot be a Christian without being a disciple. Of Jesus. We cannot be a disciple without being a disciple maker because this is who we are in Christ now, our identity in him that he has given us. 
in our lives then, once we are given this new identity and his spirit indwells us, then he begins to transform us, in a sense, to be what we've already been declared to be. So we are, be, we are this, and yet we are not yet this uh, fully. And we are being transformed more and more with time by the power of his spirit. And so when we follow Jesus, then we are disciple makers of Jesus. But are we making disciples for him? So our dis- this is our identity, but are we now fulfilling who we are and what we do? Now you may be saying to yourself, well... I'm, I'm not making disciples of Jesus, and uh, I, I'm not sure if I've ever made any disciples of Jesus. Um, whatever the, the truth is, though, you are making disciples, but I'm, the challenge for each of us is who or what are we making disciples of? Uh, let me give you an example. For example, uh, I like to work with my hands. Some of you know I like to do, like, uh, building projects in my house because I just like, uh, this is one of my hobbies. And one of the things I did over the pandemic is I remodeled my bathroom. This was, this was the bathroom we bought. The, it was, the house was built in 1950s to 60s, so this was a very popular color scheme with the tiles of that time. And uh, yeah, we didn't really like it. But we've been living in the house for a while, and it was pandemic, and you know, stuck at home. home. So I, I remodeled it, and this is what it looks like today. And so it was a lot of work, a lot more than I expected, but I really enjoyed it. But, this is, but if this hobby that I have became the joy of my life, if it became the only thing that really gave me enjoyment in life, then I would often be talking about this with everyone. I would always try to move the conversation to what I enjoyed about working and building things with my hands. I would try to convince you that this should be your joy too because it's so much fun and fulfilling because of what I do with what I've done with my hands. I would try to persuade the value of building things by yourself rather than hiring somebody else to do it. I would really make this an effort every time I met. I would get the... um, the reputation that, yeah, Jeff, he's, he's the project guy. He likes to build things with his hands, you know, because I would be talking about it all the time. And in a very real sense, I would be making disciples of trying to have people become like me, being people that build things with their hands. If you were to evaluate your present life, what would you say is something that you do in a very high percentage of the free time that you have? And is that something then that is the thing that you find pure joy in life and are you trying to convince others to do the same thing? That might be what you're really a disciple of, if so, if you're doing that all the time. Just think about it. If we are not making disciples of Jesus, then who or what are we making disciples of? Or we should ask, who or what are we really disciples of ourselves? Who are we following? Well, this is the setup for this uh, series of messages because we're talking about making disciples, the rhythms of disciple making. And today's message is the umbrella that goes over all these rhythms that we'll learn about through the series. And it's based on this passage in Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 12, which is an account of when Jesus sent out 72 of his followers 
with specific instructions, very specific instructions, and these instructions provide important principles for us on how we are, like his disciples were to do, to find people that were open to the message that he had for the people at that time. So I'm going to read these verses again, and you see if you can pick out some of the specific instructions that he's giving us, uh, them, and then us too as his followers. I begin again. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if it is not, but if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. So to start making disciples, Jesus sent his followers out to look for what were called people of peace or a person of peace. And these were people who welcomed his followers and who sought to serve them in some way, uh, to like lean into them. Uh, Jesus described them in verses 5 through 7. He said there again, whatever house you enter, you first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. And don't go from house to house. Don't keep moving around. So if Jesus' followers were welcomed and were sought to be served and given this uh, shelter and food for the whole time they were in this town then they had found people of peace these people were interested in them they had chemistry with them in some sense uh, and they and it's the same for us when we welcome and we connect with people in our lives as we look for people of peace we christ has called us to like his followers to go ahead where he's already done planning to do his work and already there in his spirit to find the people who are willing to listen. And that's going to be not many people because the road is narrow, right? The path is so small. Few find it. But who are they? So we are to go and, and look for the people that really have chemistry with us, who kind of lean into us, are interested in us and who, Jesus whom we follow. And they want to serve us in some way. Could be like, hey, I'll buy you lunch or... Maybe at work they give us a bottle of water out of the blue, or, or if we're in school, they offer their class notes for the lecture we missed, we didn't make it to, or maybe just simply giving us a lifesaver when they're sitting next to us, you know, or something. Maybe, hopefully, and it's not because we have bad breath or something like that, but, you know, they're, they're trying to help serve us. They just have this heart to help us that way. They want to contribute to our life. A person of peace is open to Jesus. 
the one whom we serve and live for as followers of Jesus. They're interested in us. They're curious about what makes us tick and the person whom we follow. That's key for a person of peace. They're open to questions of life and especially about faith and our faith in Christ Jesus. And this is what Jesus calls each of us to do today, as he did these followers, to go out and find these people of peace that want to hear his message. And we get to look for people who are open and interested in the gospel. This is what Christ has called us to do, and we get to do this. It's a privilege. It's an honor. So in these instructions to his followers in Luke 10, Jesus actually gave 14 commands, but six are prominent. They prominently stand out. And, and give us these principles in finding a person of peace. And the first prominent command is in verse 2, we see. And he says, he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus commands us to pray earnestly for us to be able to find people who would desire to follow him as well. Because the more followers Jesus has, then his followers are called to go and find more followers, right? So that would means there would be more laborers to go out into the harvest field. So we pray for more laborers to go to his harvest. This is essential a part of being a follower of Jesus, to lead us to open our eyes and sensitivity to finding these people of peace. Another prominent command we see in verse 3 says, go your way, behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. The command here, go your way, just simply means to go and continue to go. It's not a one-time act. It's just go your way. As you go about your life, as you do every day, right? If you don't, then you're dead. So as you go about your life, you keep going, and Jesus commanded us, then we are to find people of peace. Go our way. Um, and this is something that he expected his followers to keep doing in the future as well. He commands us to look for a person of peace as we go wherever we go. So we don't need to go on a mission trip necessarily to find people of peace. We don't have to go far away. We begin right here where we are as we go about our everyday life. There are people of peace around us waiting and open for Jesus and his message. But do we know who they are? Are we looking for them? The next prominent command is in verse 5. It says, Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. Now, this was a common greeting at that time, that, that day. And in this context, represented the peace and the, the message of God that we would bring as followers of the Lord God. The command here is for us to bring God's peace through our words and our actions. How we greet people is so important as a follower of Jesus. Just even on the street, when you see somebody, how do you greet them or do you ignore them? How we greet one another is really important because each time it's an opportunity for us to verbalize or embody the peace of God as a follower of him. And also in a situation that's really stressful if we, as a follower of Jesus, then speak peace or, or embody peace in that situation, then others can benefit from the peace of God in that stressful situation because it is flowing through us. Think about this. How do you greet people? How do you often say hello? 
What is your practice? If, I find it often today that a lot of times people don't greet each other. They'll just walk by each other. Maybe it's because at least when I walk my dog, they get their earbuds in or they got their phone out and they're looking at it so they don't even know you're there until you say, hey, how you doing? And then they're like, huh, what? <laughs> oh, hi, you know. And uh, it's just acknowledging their existence. Whenever you and I see someone, we have the opportunity to speak the peace of God. Another prominent command is in verse 7. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the labor deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. And the principle here is when we find a person of peace, remain with them. Don't, you know, say, well, I found somebody and share the gospel or share part of the gospel. And then just, that's it. You know, like, yeah, check one up. I got the spiritual conversation today. No, remain, invest in him or her. Let us serve them and let them serve us as well if they desire to do that. Um, invest in them. Build relationship. Listen to their stories that they have. Understand their needs. Be a good friend. Be a good friend to them. And this is not because we have the agenda that we want to convert them to Christianity and save them because only God saves. We don't save them. But this is because we are a follower of Jesus and they are a, a person that's created in the image of God. And God loves them and so we love them and we can see that they're interested in the God who loves them potentially because they're a person of peace. person of peace is influenced then by Jesus who is in us and they're getting to know him and then they will be excited about what they learn and they will go tell the people they know, their families, their friends, whatever. And then they become as well, in a sense, a, begin to follow Jesus, even though they may not quite be convinced yet of who he is. We remain with the people of peace, with them. It's however long God has put us in their lives. The fifth prominent command, then, is in verse 9. It says, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, actually, there are two commands in this verse, right? There's heal and say... So in other words, serve the needs of the people and, and let them know that God is doing this work uh, through us who are serving them. And, and so and thank the Lord who works his will through us who follow him in this way, whether it's healing them or serving them or giving us the resources to help them, whatever it may be. But we always serve others and we point them to Jesus for the reason why we're serving them. It's like Colossians 3.17 says, I love this verse. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything we do is for the Lord Christ. The job you have and you're working at isn't to make money necessarily, though that's a big benefit and need, but it is because you serve the Lord Jesus Christ and you represent him in, your, in the work you're doing. Serving others in Jesus' name is such a powerful way to communicate the gospel message because we are a blessing to the people around us then. We're not always trying to strive for our own stuff. You know, uh, let me give you an example. There was a small group of people from one church who wanted to serve and look for people of peace at their local pub. And so they went once a week, simply hung out at the club, and talked to people as they got drunk. And they cleaned up vomit, they gave out water bottles so they wouldn't get dehydrated. And they helped drive people home if they didn't, couldn't drive home or shouldn't drive home. Uh, they didn't have really any spiritual conversations, uh, especially at, that people could remember much the next day. 
So, but they just kept going there week after week after week. And while they were there, people who worked at the nightclub began to warm up to them and wonder, what, why are these people coming back every week and doing these things? What is motivating these people to do these horrible, like cleaning up vomit and talking to drunk people that don't make any sense? What, why? What is, you know, they were starting to be inter- curious. And so they started to ask these people. And, and actually, this, the people that, from the church realized it wasn't the people in the club that were the people of peace. It was the people who worked at the club that ended up being the people of peace that they were looking for. And so they shared Christ with them. You know, serve in the name of Jesus and Jesus will lead us to the people of peace because he wants them to find him. The last prominent command Jesus gave was in regards to when his followers were not welcomed. And this is in verses 10 and 11. But whenever you enter a town and there they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Now, the main thing to notice here is that Jesus instructs his followers to still share the message, his message, with those when they're even unwelcomed. He, He says, nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near, he tells us to say. We look for the person of peace. And, but even when we don't find a person of peace, or we're even unwelcomed, rejected, we are still to share the message of Christ consistently through our words and our actions and while we're in the midst of these people. We just don't remain with them <laughs> like, like we would if they were a person of peace. Have you ever had somebody hang around you when you didn't want them there? That's annoying. Right? So don't be annoying in the name of Jesus. You know? <laughs> you know, when you're not welcomed, it's okay. Just leave the town. You know, leave them. That's fine. But be the Christ in their midst when you're in their midst. See, the process of making disciples of Jesus begins with looking for a person of peace. This is the umbrella. This is our purpose as a follower of Christ and how we worship the living God in obedience to his command to go and make disciples of all nations. This is how we express our worship of him. We sing here this morning. That's one key way of, of doing that. And doing it together is even more special as we harmonize together and we hear each other sing. But this is only one, like, five minutes of the week. How we worship God is through how we live for him and obey him in his word. And we see this modeled in Jesus' life with his disciples in the sense that he was with people and he shared God's truth with people because he shared himself with people, his disciples, his followers. And when Jesus' disciples followed him, let me ask you this, when did they actually believe that Jesus was God the Son? When did they actually say, aha, Jesus, you are God incarnate, God the Son, Well, I would say that most, if not all, of the three-plus years Jesus invested in these guys uh, and ladies, they did not understand or believe that Jesus was God the Son until after his resurrection. Then they started to understand the full reality of what they had experienced those three years, three-plus years. But they, even though they did not 
fully understand Jesus or believe and have that saving faith as we define it today. They were followers of Jesus. They knew they were leaning into him. They, they, something about him, they, they didn't want to stop following him. They were following him. See, making disciples of Jesus begins with the people in our lives who have no faith in Jesus as Lord, but they are interested to know more. Know more about us who follow, and then specifically want to know more about Jesus. They are people of peace if they are like that. So this series is going to be about the rhythms of disciple making. And to kind of show what I mean by this, I want you to join me, all right, and clapping. Just join me. Amazing. Everybody, okay, that's good, that's good. It's amazing. You guys were able to join with me so easily, and that's because I was in rhythm, right? Uh, I do have rhythm, yeah, and you guys do too. And so it makes it easy to join me in, in clapping. But if I said to you, hey, why don't you uh, join me in clapping, and I went, You wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to join me. You might be able to try to mimic me, <laughs> but you would not be able to join with me in that because I have no rhythm. You wouldn't know what was coming next and when. And disciple-making is like that, too, in the sense that when we see that disciple-making can be in the rhythm of our, in, in harmony with the rhythms of our life that God has already given us, then we don't have to think about like disciple making as like wow okay here's something else i gotta do i gotta how am i gonna fit disciple making into my life now i'm so busy how am i gonna ever do this it's just unreasonable you know it's just something else i gotta do i gotta obey god and then i gotta make disciples for him man i'm too busy at work and i got my kids at home and everything's just crazy you know uh you think of that but we need to change our thinking from this about disciple making Rather than it be in something we see as an additional thing we do for Jesus, it transforms into being something intentionally we do in what we already do. We, we need to change from moving from an additional mindset to an intentional mindset. You know, God has actually given us this amazing way of seeing life that makes all of life one big opportunity for making disciples. And everything we already are doing is a perfect opportunity for making disciples. Everything you are doing is an opportunity to make disciples of Jesus. No matter what age you are, where you are, it's always an opportunity. And this is why we need to understand that these rhythms of life that God has created us to live by are the rhythms of disciple-making as well. We need to think intentionally about these things so that God can work his way in us and through us to expand his kingdom on earth. It's the rhythm of life. And once we see these rhythms like this, it opens up our whole world to making disciples. So whatever you're planning to do the rest of today, it's an opportunity to make disciples. Tomorrow at work, it's an opportunity for you to make disciples of Jesus, to look for those people of peace. And we can bring the gospel intentionality to these rhythms of life and join with God in this way, in the way he has created the universe. For example, in the Old Testament, God, we see this, this whole strategy in the very beginning. 
Um, Genesis chapter 12, God says to Abraham, we, we heard this spoken of by um, Dr. Mary Ho uh, weeks ago. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So we, we know God blessed Abraham from the stories in the scriptures. He blessed him financially. He blessed him relationally. He blessed him spiritually. He blessed him not just to receive the blessing. He blessed him for what reason? To be a blessing to the others, to the rest of the earth, that through him the whole earth will be blessed. There was purpose of why God was blessing Abraham. And the same is true for all of us who come after Abraham. God's strategy has never changed. He blessed Abraham to be a blessing. He blesses us in Christ Jesus to be a blessing to this world, to all nations of the earth. Let me give you an example of this from a, a study I saw that was done called Blessers versus Converters. Mark Russell, in this uh, book called Missional Entrepreneur, tells of this study that he performed uh, with two different missionary teams that went to Thailand. And so both teams wanted to go in and establish a business as a platform in order to bring Christ to the people there in Thailand. It's, a, it's known now as business as mission kind of thing. And so the study, uh, one team's strategy was to go to Thailand, start a business, and then focus on blessing the people around that area of the business. I mean, they would dive into the culture, they would find out what needs there are, and try to meet and help people, um, and in a sense, not give them a handout, but to give them a hand up, right? And kind of help them and through the business and those connections and everything. That was their purpose, and do this all in the name of Jesus, like Colossians 3.17. Everything we do is in the name of Jesus. That was their strategy. They were called the blessers. The next group went to Thailand and started a business, but their strategy was to go and focus on getting converts through the business, using that platform to make connections and then just share Jesus with them. And they went in with the plan to convert as many people as possible to Christianity. And this group was known as the converters. So the study followed these two different groups for five years. And the study found that the blessers had a far greater impact in the area and had 50 times more conversions to Christianity than the other group, the converter group. They found that the blesser group not only outperformed uh, the converters in bringing people to Christ, but also had a huge social impact on that area in the way they blessed just the local community. Now, intuitively, we know this to be true that was shown here in Paraclete. It is only when we love people and serve them in the name of Jesus as well as tell them about Jesus and the truth of Jesus that they will have more of a chance to understand him fully. Not as just information or a truth proposition, but because we are representing him as well and a little taste of the, the glory and saving work that he has done. It's the best way to point people to Jesus. So how, how do we, in a very practical way, bless the people in the places where we are? Well, one church came up with this acronym, BLESS. Right? That's it, why we're going to call this, uh, this series BLESS. I'm borrowing this acronym from this church. It's a community Christian church in Chicago. 
and Dave Ferguson thought of this. And I've, I've taken this acronym, and we're going to use this acronym as well, not in exactly the same way they do, but to help us understand and remember uh, the rhythms of disciple-making. So it's based on this whole idea that we are blessed in order to be a blessing to the world. So the next five Sundays, we will go through each of these letters and what they stand for and talk about these five rhythms of life of disciple-making. And I'm just going to go through and let you know what the, they stand for now. So B is begin with prayer. And as we saw that in our text, right? Pray that the, there'll be more laborers of the harvest. And then L is listen. Listen. Don't talk. Listen to people. Listen to their stories. Listen to how they tick. Ask them questions. And then listen to their answers. To understand where they are in their, their walk in this world, and so you can then speak the truth to them when you have opportunity. The next rhythm in life is eat. We all eat, right, three times a day or maybe four or five times a day or maybe one time a day, depending on what we're doing, whatever. But we, I mean, I'm assuming all of you eat at least once a day, right? <laughs> I mean, you're here. <laughs> so that's got to be a habit. So that's a rhythm of life, and so we'll talk about how does that become a disciple-making intentional rhythm of to make disciples of Jesus. The S, serve. Just like in touched on before, we serve people, we, we eat with people, we listen to them, we're looking for people of peace, we find somebody, and then we learn how to serve them by listening to them, their needs, their worries, whatever it is, and we serve them, pointing them that we do this in the name of Jesus. And then lastly, story. Story is another rhythm of our life. We hear stories all the time at work after the weekend, you know, what you do over the weekend, that's a story. You know, Everything is a story. Jesus taught with stories. And so when we listen to people and we hear their story and then they're interested in us and we tell them our story of how Jesus rescued us, we tell them the story of Christ or different parts of the stories of Jesus at times, if that's appropriate. Anyway, this is a rhythm that we'll look into, the rhythm of disciple-making. If we feel like our life is so jam-packed that we can't make disciples, we don't have time to, and it takes too much effort and energy, then we have the wrong rhythm. We're, we don't have God's rhythm. And we need to transform our mind and ask him to transform our thinking from being seen disciple-making as additional task to being an intentional part of everything we do. Because it is the reason we live. The reason why God has saved us and redeemed us is because he loves us and, and we love him and those who love him obey him. And he wants others to know about this tremendous truth that he has in Christ Jesus. Finding a person of peace is not something we add to a to-do list, but rather it is the reason we live. The purpose of our lives, because we worship and glorify the living God who asked us to do this. We don't have to. We get to do this. It is a fun task. It's something we can love to do because he has put that love in us. And we are called by our Lord Jesus to be his disciples and to make disciples for him. That's who we are in Christ. So let's make sure we're following God's rhythm than our own rhythm. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have challenged us in so many ways. But Lord, we know that you don't ask us to do anything you haven't done yourself. And so as the Father sent you, you send us. As you lived and loved, you ask us to live and love as well. 
as you have loved us. Lord, we pray for the power of your spirit that resides in those of us here who follow you to strip away the obstacles in our minds and our hearts, to humble us and where our pride is a problem, and to motivate us, encourage us to rest completely in your tremendous love and grace. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to strive for it. You've already given it to us. We just want to live in that love and show that grace to others that you've put in our lives. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.